privilege that is. Uh, let me remind you, May the 1st, May the 1st, we will have a combined service in Union Gap. Combined service with the congregation in Union Gap, May the 1st at 11 o'clock. We'll keep communicating that, but we want to make sure you know. And then, May the 8th, May the 8th, we're going to print this on some stuff and just hand this out so you can put it on your refrigerator or wherever you put. You know why everybody puts stuff on their refrigerator, don't you? That's the most visited place in your house. All right, so hopefully to get, you know, you should put some scriptures on the front of your refrigerator. Might be good. Um, but uh, either there or on your mirror, maybe. I don't know. Maybe that's the most visited place in your house. It is if you have teenagers. But um, praise God. Uh, but May the 8th, May the 8th, the following Sunday, we will transition back to two services on Sunday. Um, we are, you've noticed we're sort of full. That's a good thing. We thank God for that. We praise Him for that. And uh, I have, some of you I've shared this with, it has grieved my heart some days. Uh, usually when we're worshiping, I'm over here. I like to just, and just, I'm worshiping, of course, we're doing that together. But sometimes I'll glance out that window right there. And there has been Sundays where I've watched people, someone, pull in the parking lot, look for a spot, not find one, pause, and then back all the way out and just leave. Um, and so anyway, we will go to two services starting May the 8th. Uh, it's, a t it's time. It's for a season. While we are doing that, we are also actively praying. I'm asking us to do so together. We're actively praying and looking for another location, uh, at least for Sundays. Um, we're not just going, oh, here's a building, this works. We believe that the Lord will illuminate and reveal a location to us. We want to be where He wants to be, not just what's convenient. And so please pray about that, uh, but we'll, we'll remind you of that on May the 8th. And we'll probably do something where we get an idea so you can pick your service. Last time we went to two services, what happened is before long, people were coming to both. And then we had both of them full. And then so we're like, okay, you got to go wait outside. If you're in the first service, let everybody else come in. Then if there's still a seat, you can come in. Um, the world is hungry. I think we understand this isn't about just gathering people together to say we got a number of people together. The world is hungry. He is the answer. He's the answer. And we must work while it's day. We must get into the field. I, I feel it more strongly in my spirit than I ever have. We must work while it's day. We must work while it's day. Amen. So. I'm excited by those things and looking forward to what God's going to do. Amen? Praise God. Uh, I'm going to, before I forget, I see our beautiful teaching crew sitting or standing back at the doors. Aren't they lovely? Let, turn around and look at them all back there. Look at them. If you're a teacher, why don't you stand up back there? 
if you're helping. I see Sister Trinity. Look, look at those beautiful teachers, all four of those people standing back there. Look at that. Aren't they beautiful? These are the people that give themselves week in and week in. I was downstairs early this morning before others got here, and I, was, I, I have this pattern sometimes. I just walk through those classrooms. I like to just pray walking through those classrooms, and I think about different children and call their names, and I try to I, I should probably know who's in what class, but I don't. But I just sort of walk through. Some of them got really little chairs, so I know the big kids probably aren't in that class. But walk through and think about names. And think, I thank God for these teachers and their investment in our children. They got nice new posters. I noticed the walls all changed. There's new decorations up this week. Maybe they've been up a week or two, and I just noticed today. But there's some new scriptures up there and different names on the walls. And I'm thankful the Charles and those that help them in caring for our children in ministry. You understand it's not babysitting downstairs. It's ministry. And I thank God for that. Praise God. So we're going to dismiss today. We have toddlers and the other class. So 2 to 11. Ages 2 to 11. God bless you. Teachers, you're dismissed. Students, are look, look at this kid. Those, those kids are like... This is not a race. We're walking. Students, you can go to class. Children, God bless you. We dismiss the children today. <laughs> Amen. I love that our kids are eager to go to class. That's a wonderful thing. Amen. And I so appreciate our teachers. I really, really do. Them teaching the word, sharing the scripture, those things. Amen. Praise God. I'm glad you're here this morning. We're going to do something here. I know we briefly did this at the outset. I'm going to ask everybody to stand for just a moment, if you could. And uh, you don't have to necessarily get out of your seat. I'm not asking you to do that. Uh, I would like you to... Would you just take a minute and turn to the person in front of you or behind you, beside you maybe, and could you greet them? Would you do that? Would you just greet them? In Jesus' name. Praise God. Amen. Now you can be seated again. I would like you to grab your Bible with me today. Um, it was, we're going to go to the book of John. Now, for all of you that 45 minutes ago, you were like, man, it is so cold in here. Don't you feel better now? See, this is why it's not warm in here right when we start. Because if it was warm right when we started, now you would be like, man, it's meat falling off the bone. But uh, 
we, we know it warms up when we get everybody in here. So uh, thank you for bearing with us. We're not trying to go cheap on heating the building. We just know that it, we know it gets warm quick. So that's why it's cool when you first get here. But thank God we can worship. And the Spirit of the Lord is here. I don't know if I'm going to teach or preach this morning. Uh, when I was a kid, my pastor at the time in Missouri, Brother Thornton, would call it treaching. I'm not sure what that means, but uh, here we are. I, I feel strongly these things. The Lord began dealing with me last week while I was traveling in Spokane. And one of the things when I'm traveling for work is my evenings are all in a hotel room. And so uh, it's sort of like a, a getaway. I'm not dealing with everything else, so I'm just there in my room and... Uh, I feel like today this is more than just a message. By God's grace, we never have just a message. But the Word of God is active. The Word of God is alive. All right? Um, And so, if you look in the Scriptures, other than... You know, obviously we know Matthew 6, 7, 8, we see the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount is the longest recording that we have of Jesus speaking to a group. But then also, if you look at uh, the book of John, chapter 14, 15, 16, we find Jesus speaking for a length of time. And then John, chapter 17, we find him praying. And uh, I have... This will shock those of you that have been here more than a couple of years. I, I have an Easter message today. I think sometimes I'm honoring. I just won't. Everybody knows the Easter message. Like, I hope you didn't just come just to hear what you know already. I want the word to get in me. I want the word to change me. I want the word to shape me. I want the word of God to influence every aspect of my being. I want the word to live in me. I don't want to get it here. I want it in my spirit. The living word of God. I want it in my spirit. Amen? And so, the book of John, chapter 14, we're going to move quick. If you're like, man, I can't keep up, then get a pen and a piece of paper and scribble it down or go back and listen later and catch it all. John, chapter 14, verse 15, you'll see Jesus is speaking. He's speaking to his disciples. John 14, verse 15. Watch what he says. If you love me, do you love him? If you love me, keep my commandments. See, we get that backwards a lot. I'm going to prove I love him. I'm going to try to keep, we become, if you're not careful, you can tell the difference between a rule follower and a relationship liver. A rule follower says, I'll keep all of his commandments, then maybe he'll love me. Doesn't work that way. When I love him, I know he loves me. I'm, John said I'm able to love him because he first loved me. I'm not even capable of loving him the way I should. But because he first loved me, now I'm able to reciprocate that love. So if I love him, I'll keep his commandments. Verse 16. And I will, Jesus still speaking, I will pray the Father and watch. He shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. I like the sound of that, don't you? Verse 17, 
even the spirit of truth. Now, the comforter and the spirit of truth are one and the same. We agree based on what we've just read. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not, neither knows him. But, watch what Jesus said, you know him. He's talking to his disciples at this point. You know him. Hold on a minute. The comforter, the spirit of truth, the world can't receive because the world doesn't know him, but you know him. You know the comforter. Is that what he said? You know the spirit of truth. Is that what he said? How do you know him? For he dwells with you. And shall be in you. Okay? Just in case you were wondering, well, the he wasn't Jesus. Even though Jesus is talking, he wasn't saying, I'm the one dwelling. Just in case you weren't clear on that, Jesus made it very clear in verse 18. Verse 18, I. Notice he didn't say he. Just in case they weren't clear on who was dwelling with them and what he was saying, I will not leave you comfortless. Jesus is talking. I will come to you. Jesus is talking. Okay. Very good. Skip down to verse 26. We get more clarity here. We could, I'd like to read all three of these chapters and then his prayer if we had time. But it's good study for you this week. Go study John 14, 15, 16, 17. And make sure, if you come to a conclusion about one thing, make sure it agrees across all four chapters. Okay? Verse 26. But the comforter. This comforter he mentioned in verse 16 that he said he's going to send you a comforter. The comforter, which is... What's the comforter? The Holy Ghost. So now we got more clarity. This isn't... The comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send how? Okay, so the comforter has a name. Is that fair? The Father's going to send the comforter. The comforter is the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is going to be sent in my name. He. Who's he? Some of you are like, is he the comforter? Is he the Holy Ghost? Is he? he, he yeah, he is. He is. He shall teach you all things. This is what he's going to do. The Holy Ghost. He that's not going to leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Jesus. Just in case we're, we're not clear. He's talking about himself. He will teach you all things. And bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said unto you. This is what the Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost. The Comforter is going to do when he comes to you. You got that? There, we just did all of chapter 14. Chapter 15. Obviously, we didn't. You're going to have to go read all that and stuff, but I want you to see this thread. John chapter 15, verse 4. Jesus is still speaking. He has not shifted context, went somewhere else. He's still speaking. Verse 4, John 15. Remember, man put the chapters there that breaks the book up. Sometimes we read different chapters and think, oh, it's a different time. 
Sometimes it is, but oftentimes it's not. He's just continuing this conversation, and we got to see it in the context of the whole conversation. John chapter 15, verse 4. Jesus said, Abide in me, and I in you. Right? I in you. The branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him. That was a conditional statement by Jesus Christ. He that abides in me and I abide in him. The same brings forth much fruit. For without me... You can do nothing. We need that revelation. Without me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. Verse 6. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done Unto you. Verse 5 where he said for without me you can do nothing. Could literally be translated without me abiding in you in the context. Without me abiding in you, you do not have the power to do anything. That's what he was saying. Without me abiding in you. And again he was still speaking in the context of the comforter coming. Which was the Or is the Holy Ghost when he said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Except I abide in you. Without me, you can do nothing. You don't have the power to do anything. You got that? Okay. Good. It was 2004 or 5. Somewhere in there. Um, Probably 2004. One of those two years, I'm certain. Uh, A movie came out called The Passion of the Christ. Anybody heard of that? Yeah. And uh, caused quite the stir in a good way, I thought. And, uh, And, of course, it was a movie that depicted the last, the time from the Garden of Gethsemane unto the empty tomb. If I remember correctly, it ends with just showing the tomb empty, and that was it. And uh, you'll probably, well, you won't find this hard to believe. It stirred something in us, we thought, because it was creating a lot of conversation. And because there's a lot of conversation, it's a lot of opportunity to talk to people, right? People were talking about it. And so if pe- that's why I love Christmas. People are talking about Christ in some way. It's a great opportunity, an open door to begin to talk about him. And so this movie was creating this stir and opportunity to talk about him. And so Bishop Schoonover and I had this crazy idea. Let's create flyers. And we did. We created these little handout flyers. And he and I went one day, just the two of us, up to Seattle. And these flyers, I can't remember if there's any pictures on them or not. But these flyers just said, After the passion, now what? 
after the passion, now what? And we were just walking on the streets in Seattle around Pioneer Square and other places. And we were just saying, hey, have you seen the movie The Passion? Yeah, yeah. So now what? And we were handing them that. And I think that we had some scriptures on there about. And so this becomes the question to us that sort of it just turns in my spirit this time of year, this holiday every year. I, I, I love celebrating the fact that he's risen. He's alive. That's great. It's something to celebrate. We should celebrate. Rejoice. Thanks. But what does that mean to you? What does that mean to me? Is it a day on my calendar? I get dressed and look. By the way, you guys look amazing and beautiful. And I, I, you got nice new shirts and new dresses and clothes. And hair, Martin, your hair looks really nice. And, you know, all these different things. Yeah. But, no, it, and it, is it a time to dress up and get, yeah, it's a, that's great. That's good. I don't have a problem. But he's alive. So now what? There's an empty tomb. What does that mean to me? What? What, what does that do for me? What, what is my responsibility to the empty tomb? What's the purpose of it? And all of Christ's ministry was declaring the purpose of it. Watch, we're going to see this. John chapter 16. He didn't empty the tomb so we could just celebrate it. You understand? He emptied it. He came out of it for a purpose. John chapter 16, verse number 7. I only want to read one verse there. Again, still the flow of context. Man put the chapters there. John 14, 15, 16. Jesus Christ is speaking. One context. John 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you. That word expedient means it's profitable for you. It's for your benefit. It's to your advantage. It's expedient for you that I go away. Notice there's a colon at the end of that word. That means he's going to further define what he just said. I go away. Why is it expedient? Why is it advantageous? Why is it profitable for you that he's going to go away? For if I don't go away or I go not away... The comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, what did he say? What does it say? You can read. What's it say? One more time. Who's I? Not a trick question. Who's I? Do we all agree it's Jesus? Is he talking? Okay, good. I agree. Jesus said, I gotta, if I don't go away, it's your advantage that I'm going to leave. Because if I don't leave, the comforter wouldn't come. The comforter is the Holy Ghost. We just read that, right? Again, Jesus was saying all this in the same context. If I don't go away, the Holy Ghost won't come. I have a question for you. Why could the Holy Ghost not come? I want you to think about this. Why could the Holy Ghost not come if Jesus didn't go away? Uh, man. We'll see if we get where I think we're going, but we're just sort of right here at the moment. Was the Holy Ghost incapable of doing something? I have a question for you. 
I, I really want you to think about these things. Jesus said, it's profitable for you that I go away. It's to your advantage that I go away. Because if I don't, the Holy Ghost can't come. I'm going to send the Holy Ghost. I'm going to send the Comforter to you. Now, here's a question you have to look. And I said, go study this in another time. When you got time, study these four chapters. We just read in John 14... Jesus said, now do we believe that everything Jesus said is truth? Amen. In John 14, Jesus said, the Father will send the Comforter to you. Is that what he said? Whom the Father will send in my name. That's what he said about the Comforter. Then he said the Comforter was the Holy Ghost. Now here, Jesus said, here, Jesus didn't say the Father's going to send the Comforter. Jesus here said, I'm going to send him. So I have a question. Did Jesus go away and then get to heaven and the Father and the Son are having this dispute in heaven over who's going to send the Holy Ghost? Well, if you think there are three persons in heaven, then maybe that's what happened. The scripture is very clear. Book of Colossians. I know I'm moving a little slow. We're going to move in a little faster in just a second. The scripture is very clear and declares. Speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. All the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And we are complete in him. Still speaking of Christ. Who is the head of all principality and power. If Jesus Christ is the head, that's the place of authority, the one in position of authority, the one of, if he is the head, the authority of all, all by the way means all, just in case you weren't sure. The Greek word is pas, P A S, it means all. All means all. If Jesus Christ, if in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and if he is the head of all principality and all power, is the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost wrestling over who really has all power in heaven? Really, you gotta, we got to discern something here from the Word of God. we got to make some decisions about what the Scripture teaches and declares. If Jesus is the head of all principality and power. Okay. See, Jesus spoke to those in His day. The scribes and the Pharisees and one. He said, you do err not knowing the scriptures. What was happening? 
They were the result of generations that had just repeated what they heard, but never dug into the word of God to say, what does the word of God say? What does, and so that when Jesus came, they didn't even recognize him. They knew the Messiah was going to come. But they were so blind to him coming because they were sure the king of kings coming, he would not have shown up in a manger. He would have came with pomp and circumstance. And they missed his coming, even though there are more prophecies in the Old Testament of his coming that it couldn't be possible to fit anybody else. But hear me. This is also the reason why largely Jews reject Christianity. They reject Christianity because much of Christianity in the context of religious Christianity, teaches God in three persons, and the Jews will never accept that, ever. Because their whole foundation, the Word of God's entire foundation, is built on Deuteronomy 6 and 4, the Shema. The Shema is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and Him only shalt thou serve. Not, and them only, Him only shalt thou serve. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and all thy soul, and all thy... Everything in, Jude, in, in Israel is built on those verses right there. Everything else around the entire Jewish Culture, religion, life is built on those words right there. And so when they are presented Christianity that says God is in three persons, they're like, I'm done listening to you because it's against the very foundation of everything I know to be true of God. And so they will not hear. Now, you want to have a great conversation of revelation and inspiration and power? Talk with a Jew that is a Messianic Jew. Ask them to explain to you. Say, can you help me understand God in multiple persons? And they'll be like, what foolishness do you speak of? Why? Because they know from their scriptures that we seek to study and know. The coming Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, was not another person of God. He was God manifested in the flesh. 1 Timothy 3.16 Read it. John 1 and 1. John 1 and 14. In the beginning, beginning of time, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was a part of God, a piece of God, an element of God, one of the persons of God. No, 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 no. The Word was God. Same chapter. Skip down. Verse 14. And the Word, or God, was made flesh. And dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Full. Not partially. Full of grace and truth. Isaiah said. The Lord was speaking through the prophet Isaiah. And he said. I am the Lord. And beside me there is none else. Beside me there is none other Savior. I alone am the Savior. How could the Lord declare that? And then Jesus could come and say. I am the Savior. 
What's going on? If the Lord himself, Jehovah God of the Old Testament, is the only Savior and beside him there's none else, Jesus Christ comes, is there a different Savior? Is it another person? No, no, no. We know when the Lord Jesus Christ came, he was God manifested in the flesh, revealing himself to the world. It's why the writer of Hebrews could say of the Lord Jesus Christ that he is the express or only image of the invisible God. I know I'm messing with some people's theology this morning, but I'm just telling you what the Word of God says. I'm just telling you what the Word of God says. Jesus Christ is the express image of the invisible God. He's not another image of the invisible. He is the express. That word's express only, not another. There's not another. He's the express image of the invisible God. And so there's not some confusion here. Now, see, if I've got God split up into and I read John 14, 15, and 16, it won't make sense with the rest of the book. And I'm confused because I'm like, okay, Jesus said he was going to send him, but he said earlier the Father was going to send him. So Jesus must be confused about who's really going to send him. And him and the Father haven't worked all that out yet. It's the same reason Jesus could say to Philip when Philip said, Jesus, if you'll just show us the Father, it will satisfy us. Or sufficeth us is the King James word. Philip said, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. Jesus didn't even hesitate. He said, Philip, have I been so long with you and yet you still have not known me? Philip, he that hath seen me hath seen the Father. Man, I'm not, I'm trying to get somewhere and we're having trouble right here. No, we're not having trouble, but we're just right here for a minute. Do you think Philip was like? (laughs) Only see one of you. There's a revelation and understanding. The Messiah. He's the Messiah. That which we've waited for. That which was prophesied by Isaiah. That which was prophesied by Malachi. That which all the prophets foretold. Moses declared Abraham. That's why Jesus said Abraham rejoiced to see my day. All religious leaders there in John chapter 7 and John chapter 8 are like, what are you talking about? What do you mean Abraham rejoiced to see your day? Our father Abraham is dead and is buried. And you're not even 40 years old or whatever, however. You know, and, and Abraham rejoiced to see your day. Confused? Was he? No. Jesus says the words that caused them to want to pick up stones and kill him. Jesus declared to the religious leaders of that day. He said, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Why did they want to stone him? Because if he said, I am, they knew those words. I am? What do you mean, Jesus Christ? You're not the I am. You're, you're. Yes, I am. He is the express image of the invisible God. And so when he, he was declaring to them, The same God that spoke to Moses from the burning bush. When Moses said, who do I say sent me? And the Lord spoke to Moses and said, tell him, I am that I am hath sent you. 
And they knew that. They understood. We worship the one God. Deuteronomy 6.4. We worship. And so when Jesus declared before Abraham was, I am, he was saying, I'm God. I'm just letting that register with you. He was not saying, We need to understand this. This changes everything because of why he resurrected. Watch, we're going to get there now. We're getting ready to shift. He was not saying, I'm a second person, and before long there will be the third. You're aware of the first. He wasn't saying that. You're not going to find that in the book. He was saying, I'm the Messiah you've been waiting on. I'm God manifested in the flesh. And the reason that he said where we read earlier, I can't send the comforter unless I go away. Right? Is that what we read? Okay, well, make sure you're with me. That's what we read. I have a question for you. What is, is it true according to the word of God? Is it true that the church is called the body of Christ? Is that a true statement? Yes. We don't have time this morning, but if, if you're not sure, let me know later and we can get together. I'll show you in the Word. The church is called the body of Christ. Yeah? Okay. So we are the body of Christ. And Christ can't have more than one body. He's the express image. And so he had to go away. In order to send the comforter in his name, I will come to you. I will not leave you comfortless, Jesus said. I will come to you. But he couldn't dwell in the body of the man, Christ Jesus, and dwell in the body that is the church. Because then there would be two persons, and that's not true according to Scripture. So he had to depart. We call it, the Scripture calls it the Holy Ghost. Right? You've read that in there. What's a ghost? Plain and simple, a ghost is a spirit of a departed one. All right. (laughs) Praise God. We better move on so you don't get nervous. Luke chapter 24. This is the word. Luke 24. Now we got to hurry because it's Easter. Luke 24, verse 46. Watch. And said to them, Jesus is talking again. Jesus said to them, thus it is written, and thus it behooved, or it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. There it is right there. There's the message of Easter in one verse. Suffer. Now, obviously, he was buried because he had to rise. From the dead the third day. Notice he didn't stop there. Colon. Now he's going to further explain the why behind that. Verse 47. And... Here's the why. That repentance and remission or removal, forgiveness of sins should be preached how? In His name. Whose name? The name of Jesus Christ. In His name among all nations. And it should start or begin at Jerusalem. Next verse. And you are witnesses of these things. Verse 49. Watch watch the words. Watch the words of Jesus Christ. And behold... 
I sinned. Jesus said, I sinned. The promise of my Father upon you. But wait or tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power. Everybody say power. Oh, you remember what we read earlier in John 15? Without me, you can do. Is that what he said? Now he said, thus it, right, thus it behoove Christ to suffer, to be, rise again the third day, that repentance, remission of sins, beginning at Jerusalem. And I sinned, that's what he said earlier, we read in John 16. I sinned the promise. Everybody say the promise. I send the promise of my Father upon you, tearing the city until you endure with power. I'm going to give you power that you can't do anything without me, but you're going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to give you power from on high. You got it? Okay, we're moving. Acts chapter 2. I told you Bible study, teach, preach, preach. Acts 2. We got to see this. The guy who wrote Luke also wrote Acts. His name was Luke. Yeah, you figured that out. He was not one of the apostles. He was a doctor. He was a physician. Luke, the beloved physician, also wrote the book of Acts. That's why the book of Acts chapter 1 starts with the former treatise or the former letter, Have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. The former treatise or the former letter was the gospel of Luke. Acts is the second letter that Luke wrote. So here we are in Acts chapter 2, verse number 1. And when the day of Pentecost, Pentecost just means 50. It was 50 days after Passover, right? We know a pentagon has five sides. Penta is... 50, Pentecost. Okay, the day of Pentecost. 50 days after Passover. The day of Pentecost, when it was fully come, they were with all, all in one accord in one place. Verse 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Remember he said you'll be endued with power from on high. We just read in Luke 24, Jesus said that. There came a sound from heaven, that's on high, as a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. Verse number 3. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. Verse 4. And they were all filled with what? They were all filled with what? Okay, can you go back to Acts 1 and 8 really fast? I'm sorry, I'm working those guys overtime back there right now. What? Acts 1 and 8, Jesus, just before he ascended into heaven, just before he ascended, Jesus makes this statement in Acts chapter 1 and 8. But you shall receive You're going to receive what? Power. Without me, you can do nothing. Luke 24, tearing Jerusalem to you be endued with power from on high. Power is the ability to do. Jesus said right before he ascended, Acts 1 and 8, but you shall receive power after that the... After what? The Holy Ghost has come upon you. The Holy Ghost is the comforter. Is that what we read in John 14? The Holy Ghost is the comforter. The Holy Ghost is being sent in his name. The comforter. Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. You got to see this. Back to Acts 2 and 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. The comforter sent by Jesus. The promise of the Father. All those things we just read. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Now they've received the Holy Ghost. Now they have power. Jesus said, you can't do anything without me. I'm giving you power to do so. I'm with you. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit, capital S, the very Spirit of God, gave them the utterance. Skip down to verse number 38. The Jews recognized, oh my goodness, He was the Messiah. We crucified the Messiah. The one God came, robed Himself in flesh, and we missed it, even though all prophecy foretold it. That's why Acts chapter 5 through, or Acts chapter 2, verse 5 till verse 36, 
Peter is preaching. And by the way, the other 11 apostles are standing there with him. He's not by himself. They're standing there together. And he's preaching and he walks them back through the throne of David. He walks them back through the prophecies of Joel. He's reading these things. He's declaring these things to the Jews. And revelation comes to them. Oh my goodness. The Messiah we've been waiting on. It was him. He was God in the flesh. We knew, but ha, we missed it. And the Bible says in verse 36, when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. And they said to Peter and the rest of the brethren, men and brethren, what shall we do? Oh, that's the verse we're on. What, to the rest, men and brethren, what shall we do? Verse 38, Peter tells him what to do. Peter said, repent. Now we just read in Luke 24, Jesus said, it behooved Christ to suffer to rise again from dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name beginning at Jerusalem. That's what Jesus said, wrote by Luke 24, 48 and 49. Here we see Peter doing what Jesus said should take place. Following the promise of the Father that Jesus said would come. Which we know to be the Holy Ghost now. Because we have all of Scripture. Peter said to them, you got to repent. He's telling them what Jesus said should be told. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Peter did what he was told. Jesus said, repentance and remission of sins should be preached in my name beginning at Jerusalem. Not complicated, is it? So why do we struggle some? They go, but yeah, Matthew 28, 19, Jesus said that we should preach baptism in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Go ye into all the world, baptize every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. It's simple. When you go and you look at the word, it's very clear and it's very simple. The name, he didn't say the names, because there's only one name. And so Peter wasn't disobeying what Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19. Peter was declaring the understanding that they all clearly had of what Jesus was saying in Matthew 28, 19. They knew the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Jesus said in John 14, the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, will be sent in my name. They understood the name of the Holy Ghost. There's only one name. Amen? There's only one name. His name is Jesus. I hear the angel declaring to Mary, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Why is it that, why is it that the religious leaders of Jesus' day said this? Who can forgive sins but God? You're right. When they lowered the man down through the roof, and there he is on the bed. His friends cut the, ripped off the roof and lowered him down. And Jesus said, Thy sins be forgiven. And they're like, oh. And they're back over here. Yeah, he just, said, he just said, forgive his sins. Who can forgive sins but God? That ought to be your clue. No one can forgive sins but God. Jesus, knowing their hearts, declares 
What's easier for me? Is it easier to me, for me to say thy sins be forgiven thee? Or to rise, take up your bed and walk. But so you'll know. And he turns to the man and says, rise, take up your bed and walk. Now. Go back to wherever we were so that I remember. Please. Acts 2.38, I think. Yeah. So. Peter declares the message, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, the Comforter, the promise I'm sending you. By the way, this is the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Repentance is death. I died to myself. Baptism is the burial. We read in Colossians, we read in Corinthians, we are buried with Christ through baptism so that you also should walk in newness of life the infilling of the spirit is the new man newness of life that's the resurrection that's life again okay now watch verse 39 just in case watch peter's preaching right he says all this repent be baptized in the name of jesus christ for the mission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the holy ghost for the what oh there's that word again for the promise Luke 24, he said, I send the promise. I send the promise. Peter said the promise. What was the promise, Jesus? It was the Holy Ghost. The indwelling spirit of God. If I don't depart, I can't send the comforter. I can't send the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost is the spirit of the living God. And he can only have one body in the earth at a time. And so I've got to depart. This body that I currently, the spirit of God dwells fully in right now is going to depart. But I'm going to send my spirit back and it's going to dwell in my church. And I will be the body of Christ in the earth. This is why Jesus said, greater works than these shall you do because I go to my father. John 14. How are you going to do greater? He didn't mean greater works like you're going to do more powerful things than Jesus did. That's not what he meant. He meant greater works more in number because I'm going to multiply my body by putting my spirit in the church, the body of Christ, and it's going to have multiple parts and members. This is why the resurrection. Hear me. You and I need to be baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Without it, we can do nothing. Without him, we can do nothing. Anything done through our lives that glorifies God will be a work of his spirit through us, not something I do in my flesh. If it's a work of my flesh, it's not going to glorify him. Why? Because the moment that my works of my flesh could glorify God, I would start thinking, I've got it figured out. I'm something. I would be, and I would have confidence in the flesh. And the Apostle Paul was very clear. I have no confidence in the flesh. In my flesh dwelleth no good thing, he said. And so the indwelling spirit of God is what empowers us. Okay? Let's hurry and finish. Romans chapter 8. Now we're going to read a couple of places as we finish here in Romans and Ephesians. People like to go to the book of Romans and read it and grab parts out of Romans and share it with others. And I think it's always good to share the word of God. Don't get me wrong. I'm not telling you not to share the word of God. But it's important. 
think how it says. How many of you have a phone with you? You got your phone with you? Okay. Whoever thought we'd be sitting in church, everybody would be like, yeah, I got a phone. Right? But we do, for better or for worse. Right? How would you like to just sign in your phone, and if you got your email and your text on your phone, sign into your phone, tap on your email, and hand your phone across the aisle to somebody. Say, hey, read all that stuff. Tell me what you think. Anybody? Now watch. You think, man, I don't want people reading my letters. Romans was written to the church at Rome. We forget this. Sometimes people, when they start pulling things out of Scripture, we got to see Scripture in all of context. So when you read Roman, you read all these letters that the Apostle Paul wrote, you got to, those first few verses matter. Every verse matters. But you read the beginning, it says, to all the saints. Sometimes he says, to the church at, to the beloved. In, he's not writing those letters to the lost world. Context matters. Am I telling you nothing in there can help a lost world? No, 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 no. But you need to understand the people that are reading those letters have some foundational understanding that people that are lost may not have. It's like if I took my phone and pulled up a letter here that's two years into a relationship, and I say, hey, read that. What do you think? And you're like, well, that's interesting. You may not get full context. You're like, hold on a minute. I don't know about it. Well, you don't know the whole story, right? That's what it is if I just take the book of Romans or Ephesians or Galatians or any of those books that were written to the saints, to the church. If I take those without the context of the Gospels and the book of Acts, I'm not clearly understanding everything that's being said there. And so people take the book of Romans that says, just believe and you're saved. Well, hold on. The church understands what all that means because they have the full context. The saints at Rome understood the message of the death, the burial, and the resurrection. So they weren't just... See, if I'm lost and I'm reading Romans, it's, it's like I'm reading somebody else's mail. It's not written to me if I'm lost. I need the saving power of the Lord Jesus Christ to work in my life. And then when I read Romans, it becomes very clear to me. You say, are you meaning people that aren't, haven't been delivered from sin and filled with the Spirit shouldn't read Romans? No, I'm not telling you that. But you've got to understand who it was written to. That matters. It matters. It matters. Okay. So Romans chapter 8, verse 8. Watch. Remember the question? What does the resurrection mean to me? Why? What's the purpose? Here we go. I forgot that this was one of the verses. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. I have a question for you. How many of you here are here in your flesh today? Every one of us, aren't we? I mean, reach over. Yep, yep. They're really there. It's a real person. Obviously, he's talking about how we operate and how we function as children of God. So then, they that are in the flesh, if I'm operating in my flesh, working in my flesh, I can't please God. Can't do it. I don't care how much good stuff I try to do, how much social good I try to do. If I'm operating in my flesh, I'm not going to please God. 
I may please my own conscience. I may feel better about self, but that doesn't mean I'm pleasing. You understand, we don't live for God to feel better about self. We live for God to please him. And he affirms us as his children. Does that make sense? The affirming of the Father. Now, so they that in the flesh cannot please God, verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Oh, there's that big two-letter word. If. 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 You're in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. In other words, if the Spirit of God does not dwell in me, then I'm in the flesh. Is that a fair? Not changing the context of Scripture? All right. So what is the indwelling Spirit of God? It's what we've been reading from John, from Luke. We see it in the book of Acts. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. He that dwelleth with you shall be in you. The Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, capital S, capital S, Spirit, very Spirit of God. That's why I need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. This is why the resurrection matters. He rose again. He's alive, the living God. How did Jerusalem, after he ascended into heaven, know he was alive? I'll tell you how they knew. Because the disciples, the Bible says, with great power, gave witness to his resurrection. What does that mean? They didn't go around going, oh yeah, no, really, he's alive. We watched him ascend. He's gone now, but he's alive. No, no, no. God lived in them. The indwelling spirit of God dwelt in them. And what happened? The works that Jesus did when he walked the earth, they did walking the earth. And it became a testimony to all of Jerusalem. Jesus is alive. He's working. It's Peter and John in Acts chapter 3 saying, Silver and gold we don't have, but what we have we're giving you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And they took the man by the hand and lifted him up, and his ankle bones received strength. And he went walking and leaping and dancing into the temple. What happened? And the religious leaders are going, hold on. How did this happen? What did you do? What did, what did you say? What happened? And they said, be it known unto you and all those that dwell at Jerusalem that not by, his own, by our own power is this man made whole, but by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ whom you crucified. They gave power and witness to his resurrection. He's alive. He's living in us. When we were filled with the Holy Ghost, the indwelling Spirit of God came and he's living through us. That's the witness of the resurrection. So if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man... But remember, Paul's writing to the church. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his... Remember what Jesus said in John? If you'll abide in me, my words abide in you. You'll ask what you will and it'll be done. Without me, you can do nothing. If any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Verse 10. And if Christ be in you, John 14, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. I am with you. I shall be in you. If Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. In verse 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. Paul is saying this again and again and again. 
Why? In just these four verses, he's emphasizing the Spirit of Christ in you, the Spirit of Christ in you, the Spirit of Christ in you. Christ is declaring, i got to go away so the Comforter comes so I can be in you. Christ is declaring in Luke, the Holy Ghost will come. You'll have power. You can't do anything without me, but when you receive the Holy Ghost, you'll have power. This is so critical and important. The baptism of the Holy Ghost isn't like some bonus little thing. It is the reason for the resurrection. It's so God lives so He could come and live in us. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, if, if He dwells in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken or make alive your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. If you were keeping track, I think five different times in those few verses, the Apostle Paul emphasized to the church, because that's who he was writing to, Christ dwelling in you. That's what Jesus said he was going to do. I dwell with you. I shall be in you. When you are baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost, it is the Spirit of God coming to dwell in you. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. You don't have the power to do what needs to be done if I don't dwell in you. That's the power of the Holy Ghost. That's what Jesus said. You'll receive power after the Holy Ghost has come on you. I'm finishing. Stand with me. Philippians chapter 2. Actually, go to Ephesians chapter 3 real quick. I'm going to read fast. Ephesians 3 and 16. We need to understand this wasn't just a one-time thing. There's this pattern throughout the Word of God, this declaration throughout the Word of God. The Word of God is clear. Ephesians 3 and 16, that he, Paul, is praying for the church at Ephesus. He's praying for them, and this is what he's praying That he, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, verse 18, may be able to comprehend with all saints. That's who he's writing to. What is the breadth, length, depth, and height? Verse 19. And to know the love of Christ. We're reading all these verses because it's one sentence. And to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you might be filled. That you might be filled with some of God. That you might be filled with a part and portion of God. That you might get a touch of God. No, 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 no. That you might be filled with all the fullness of God. And finally, Philippians 2. I could talk about all that. I'm not going to. Good time. You're standing. Philippians chapter 2. Here. The resurrection. 
him living and ascending was so he could send his spirit back to dwell in us and the living God through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's why Acts 2 said they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. You read Acts 3 and 20 and it says, repent, be converted, the times of refreshing will come and I will send Jesus Christ to you. Instead of the Holy Ghost, it says Jesus Christ. Well, it fits because he said, I'm going to send him in my name. Acts 3, 19 and 20. But we see here. These guys are going quick back there. My goodness, Brother Jerry, God bless you. Man, I'm getting pretty fast with his fingers. The resurrection. If he's still in a tomb, there is no Holy Ghost. They could crucify the natural body because blood had to be shed. Innocent blood had to be shed. But he conquered death, hell, and the grave. We were singing that song. It was all, I probably should have just done it. It was all I could do to just stand over there and lift. I wanted to just shout. And just, he conquered my enemies. Anything that would try to hurt or destroy me. He already conquered it. Doesn't mean I won't fight against it. But he conquered every addiction, every oppression, every depression, every spirit that would work contrary to the will of God. He already conquered it through Calvary and an empty tomb. Now watch. When you are filled with the Holy Ghost, you now have power. Okay. Philippians 2 and 13. I finish with this verse. It is God. Everybody say it's God. It is God which works in you. Now here's what's pretty cool. If you go look, that word work in the Greek is like energeo. I'm probably saying it all wrong because I don't speak Greek. I struggle with English, much less Greek. Like energeo, energeo, however you pronounce it. Sounds a lot like a word energy, doesn't it? Same root. That's what that word works mean, worketh means right there. It is God which energizes you. shall receive power, the ability to do after the Holy Ghost. For it is God which works or energizes in you. And what does that do? Both to will and to do of his good pleasure. What is to will? I can't think the way I ought to think. And so... How do I know the mind of Christ? God working in me. The spirit of God, the indwelling spirit of God dwelling in me. And then how do I do once I know the will of God? How do I do it? Not by my own effort or inability or ability, but by God working in me, the indwelling of his spirit. You hear Jesus without me, you can do. This is why the tomb's empty. So the living God could live through you and I as a testimony to a world that will not be saved without him. And so he'll baptize you with his spirit. And then his spirit will work through you and through me to transform lives. I can't transform a life. You can't transform a life. But he can. 
I can't heal anybody, but I can lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Not me, but God working in me and in you. You don't need a title after your name or before your name. You don't need a degree before or after your name. Don't mind if you do or don't. All that matters is does the Spirit of God dwell in you. And when you and I are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and we fellowship and commune with Him, we get the mind of Christ. And now we can speak and declare the Word. Of, and now we have the ability to do, not us, but His Spirit. That's what the Word says. Right? God worketh in you both to will and to do. How do I know what it? I don't know, but his spirit knows. And so I go to a place of prayer and I fellowship the spirit of God that dwells in me. And I get up knowing what I need to do today. And he directs my day. And I come across the path of someone that needs ministry. I don't know what to say or what to do. I don't have the power, but the power is in me to operate. You got that? It's this verse. Now to him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to his power that worketh in us. In us. When you were baptized with the Holy Ghost. The living God came to live in you. That's the purpose of the resurrection. Would you talk to him right where you are right now? Well, we can't do it without him. We cannot do it without him. We must be filled with his spirit. We must be baptized with his spirit. It's why he rose again to fill you with. You're searching for the will of God. Begin to fellowship his spirit. You don't know the will of God. If you have not been baptized with the Holy Ghost, you can be. He'll fill you with His Spirit as you begin to. If you've repented of your sins, if you've been baptized in the name of Jesus, we read it already, you shall be filled with the Holy Ghost. It's a promise. It's a promise. If I'm obedient to His Word, there's this promise that His Spirit would come and dwell in me. And it would begin to flow and operate through your life. Come on, as you and I fellowship the Spirit of God and talk with the Spirit of God. And He dwells in my life. I begin to know the will of God. And then I'm like, yeah, but I can't do it. I don't know if I can. You're right, you can't. But His Spirit in you will work through you to do the work. You and I just have to step in faith. i got to have a confidence in the indwelling Spirit of God to work through my life, to work through your life. To reach into someone that's hurting that needs deliverance. And we can pray a prayer of faith and deliverance comes by the Spirit of God working through a child of God. In the name of Jesus. On He is alive with purpose. He emptied the tomb with purpose. It's to work and operate through you and I. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, open our understanding afresh today. Let us walk in the power of your Spirit. Lead us by the instruction of the Holy Ghost. Let our lives' steps be ordered of you, that you would manifest your glory wherever we would go, that you would be exalted, that men would see the works and glorify you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray. One of the greatest tragedies, I believe, 
is to have received the gift of the Holy Ghost. God's Spirit coming and filling your life. And then not yielding to His operation through us. I have to yield to the operation of His Spirit. I have to yield to the operation of His Spirit. You have to yield to the operation of His Spirit. He's wanting to do this through your life. I really am trying to finish. This is so critical. So critical. How you doing? This is so critical. He did not die, get buried, and rise again. So we would have a day to celebrate. He did it because he wants to manifest himself to the world. And he chose to manifest himself to the world through you and I. Not our good deeds. His spirit working through us. Doing the work to where when he works through us, someone doesn't go, wow, what an amazing person Jeanette is. Though they may say that and that be true. But they say, I don't know. When she began to talk to me, I began to feel something happening. When she began to pray with me, when she took my hand and started praying with me, something happened in my, what is it? It's testimony that he's alive. It's not Jeanette doing the work. It's the spirit of God working through her as she yields to his spirit and lets him operate through. And hear me this morning, please. Every person in this room He is no respecter of persons. He said clearly, whosoever will let him come to me. There's not a person. He's wanting to use every soul in this room for his spirit to flow through and operate through and touch a life. I sat with my boss at one time sitting across the table in a restaurant, Second Street Grill down here. You guys know where it is. Sitting across the table. We're sitting there. She got her computer out. We're doing work and we're talking. And she asked a question. And when she asked the question, I felt it touch the Spirit of God in my life. I wasn't hearing with my natural ill. The Spirit of God, I felt it in my, when she asked the question. And I responded kindly and simply. I didn't even say anything about the Lord or I didn't quote a scripture. I just simply declared what the Lord brought to my heart. The Spirit of the Lord had something to say to her question. And I said it. And we're just in this simple conversation. And she starts, tears start rolling down her face. And she says to me, stop it, Joel. I'm like, what? She said, you're doing that thing again that makes me cry just because you talk. I'm not doing anything. We have to understand when we're filled with the Spirit of God. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8, the creature or creation waits with earnest expectation for the manifestation of the sons of God. The world around you, your co-worker, your family that's lost, they're waiting. They don't even know what they're waiting on. They're waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. And the scripture is very clear. When he filled us with the Spirit, we became sons of God. They're waiting for that. So you and I have to yield to the Spirit of God in us. If you haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost, you need to. It's the only way we can do anything. Come on, would you please talk with Him one more time? 
I'm not trying to belabor something, but the Spirit of the Lord is wanting this to get in our spirit today. Come on, you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You need to be baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost, just like they were in Acts 2, and Acts 8, and Acts 10, and Acts 19. You need to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. It'll give you steps. It'll give you direction. It'll lead you and guide you in all truth. He wants to work through you. If you're filled with the Spirit, He's wanting to work through you. He's not waiting for, oh, i got to get all this perfect. No, i just got to learn to yield to His Spirit. Be obedient to the Spirit that dwells in me. Work, Lord. I can't do it, but you can. You can. You're alive and well within me. In the name of Jesus, this is the purpose of the resurrection. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. By your word and by your spirit. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Before I release you to your Easter dinner. If these things you've heard today from the word of God. You're saying hold on a minute. I saw some things. I heard some things. We read some things that. That makes sense. That's the word. I, I believe it. But I don't know that I've received all that. Don't just walk out and dismiss it. If the Spirit of God doesn't dwell in you, you are none of His. That's what the Word says. It is the greatest gift of all time. If the Lord has a gift for you, why would you not want it? It is the gift of the Holy Ghost. And it's the power of God to work through your life and manifest himself. It's the what comes after. It's the Apostle Paul in Acts 19 asking believers, believers, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? There's something for you to walk in that you're not walking in if you haven't received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Not saying you don't believe, but there's something for you still yet to walk in. In Jesus' name. If in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Can we thank Him one more time before we go? In Jesus' name.
Come on, the promise is to you. It's to your children. The promise is to you and to your children and to them that are afar off. Lay hold on the Word of God today. The promise is to you and to your children and to them that are far off. That was speaking of multiple generations. The promise is to you. It's to your children. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God bless you today. May your day be blessed with your family. And I pray that this word stays in your heart and spirit until it accomplishes all that God intends. In Jesus' name, greet someone you're dismissed today.